Brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, this week in our gospel reading, we hear Jesus giving another parable about seeds growing in the midst of weeds. In fact, these two parables, the parable of the sower from last week and our parable this week, are similar enough in their themes that it's easy to confuse the details. Both of them involve sowers, sowing seeds. Both of them involve weeds, and both of them involve someone or something interfering with the seeds to threaten their ability to grow fruit. However, if last week's parable was marked by the extravagant and abundant sowing of the sower, this week's parable is characterized by the sower's restraint. Before I go into Jesus' explanation of the parable, the second half of our reading, let's spend some time with the parable itself. In it, we have a farmer, a farmer who sows wheat seed in his field. So far, so good. But of course, things don't stay good for long. It turns out this farmer has an enemy, an enemy who will go to great lengths to sabotage the, this farmer's livelihood, coming by night and sowing weeds among the wheat seeds. This is no small task, for the enemy would have to first collect enough seeds uh, in order to sow them effectively throughout his, uh, this, his enemy's field. And bad seed isn't something you can just go to the market and buy. You can't just go simply buy seeds for weeds at the marketplace. You have to get them some other way. So this enemy would have had to collect them, maybe doing some farming of his own, although what a strange crop it was that he was bringing to fruition. Now, the weed probably in this parable is uh, something that's called darnel. It's something that would have been familiar to anyone growing wheat at that time, maybe still is for wheat farmers today. I'm not sure. I'm not an expert in wheat farming. But as I understand it, darnel is this plant that looks almost identical to wheat, and it grows up uh, together with the wheat. It likes the same sorts of conditions that wheat likes, and it can't be distinguished from wheat until it begins to produce the head of grain. This plant looks so similar to wheat that in some places it's just called false wheat. And that wouldn't be so bad a thing on its own, except that this darnel has a tendency to be infected by a fungus that makes us sick when we eat it. So it becomes very important that no darnel grains get mixed in with the wheat grains at the time of harvest. In the parable, as the season unfolds, things seem to be going well in the field. The wheat grass is coming up, and the crop looks like it's going to be an abundant one come the harvest. And week in and week out, the farmer and his workers do the work that needs to be done to ensure as bountiful a crop as possible. But one day, the workers begin to notice that some of what had appeared to be wheat is actually darnel. Well, that's no surprise, really. You're going to get some weeds. You have to expect that. But the next day, even more of the plants that seem to be wheat reveal themselves to be darnel. And the day after that is even worse. And finally, as the heads of grain uh, develop throughout the field, it seems that half or more of what had supposedly been wheat is actually this weeds. How could this have happened? Did this farmer use bad seed? Uh, Did he somehow uh, get his wheat seed mixed up with darnel seed? Well, concerned and knowing that this is more than just your run-of-the-mill weed problem, the workers go to the farmer and they ask, what should we do about it? 
Now somehow, as soon as the farmer hears this, he knows immediately that this is no accident, but rather that an enemy has done this, has come and sown darnel among his wheat. And while the workers think the best choice of action is to simply pull the weeds out uh, before they can root any deeper and before they can spread seeds on their own, the farmer knows that if the darnel is pulled, it's so intermixed and tangled up with the wheat that it can't be pulled up without damaging the wheat crop. No, even though it will double their labor at harvest, the only path forward is to allow the darnel to mature alongside the wheat so that when the time comes for harvest, the reapers can go through and harvest the darnel out first, collect it so it can be burned, and then the harvesters can go through the field a second time and gather the wheat and store the grain into the barns. Notice how different the two sowers work, the sower from last week and the sower from this week. Last week, sower sowed abundantly and recklessly, casting seed all over the place, on good soil, on the path, on rocky soil, among thorns. He doesn't seem to really care where the seed is going. He's just sowing. This week's sower is almost the opposite. He's cautious. He sows only good seed, and he sows it only in his field where he knows there will be good soil. And once the problem comes up and the weeds begin to reveal themselves, he embraces caution. He waits in order to protect the wheat. Rather than embracing risk like the first sower, this one embraces caution. Rather than being a parable of abundance, this is a parable of careful judgment, of separating, of dividing the good from the bad, the fruitful from the noxious, or to quote Jesus in his explanation, the children of the kingdom from the children of the evil one. Now, all this talk about judgment makes us uncomfortable. Or rather, I should say that the idea or the thought of being judged makes us uncomfortable. We seem to be quite comfortable doing the judging, for we do it all the time. We're constantly evaluating the actions of others, deciding between desirable and undesirable outcomes. We're coming to conclusions about the value of of things that are in our life. And all of this is what it means to judge, after all. And all of this is actually essential for and necessary to living well in the world. We have to make good decisions between some things and, and, and other things. In fact, the emphasis in our educational system on critical thinking is designed to make us into better and more effective judges. Even that word critical is related to the Greek word for judge, kretes. Now, it's not judgment itself that makes us uncomfortable. It's the idea of being judged by another, especially when that other is judging with what Jesus says are furnaces and fire and weeping and gnashing of teeth. Being judged is always a frightening thing because the one being judged is at the mercy of the one doing the judging. Even when the person doing the judging has no legal authority over you, the vulnerability of being judged all brings us to discomfort. It's unnerving to be seen by another, especially when you don't have any control over how you are seen. For many of us, even the mere thought of having a surprise guest show up at our door before we've had a chance to tidy up can cause our pulse to quicken. 
So when Jesus takes this parable about wheat and weeds growing together in a field and reveals to his disciples that this is about the final judgment at the end of the age, he turns a pleasant picture of agriculture into a frightening one, something much more difficult. The field, Jesus says, is the world. Within the world, two groups are scattered. On the one hand are the children of the kingdom. On the other hand are the children of the evil one, sown by the devil. For the time being, these two intermingle and grow together, so much so that one cannot be removed without damaging the other. But when the time is right at the end of the age, the time of separation will come, and all stumbling blocks and evildoers will be thrown into the furnace, and all the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Such direct talk about a final judgment is difficult to hear, especially when it is told in such a way that the power of judging is removed from us. Notice the difficulty, how hard it is to distinguish one group from another, the wheat and the darnel, that is, the children of kingdom and the children of the evil one, for the majority of their time of growth, there is no obvious difference between them. If you were to go out into the field to judge between them, you simply would not be able to do it. And even once they can be identified in the fruit that they produce, to remove the bad might just destroy the good along with it. This uncertainty is bad enough, but what really makes this parable deadly is a fact that I haven't mentioned yet, and that's that we, you and I, are not simply the slaves out working the field of the world. We are those plants, the wheat and the darnel, sown by the Son of Man and sown by the devil. The difficulty of coming to a correct judgment paired with the fact that it's our own selves that are on the line is enough to drive us mad. And in fact, if we enter this parable with the idea that we are the ones to do the judging, it will have one of two effects. It will either make us insufferable or it will make us suffer. It will either make us so confident in our ability to be righteous and to uh, judge correctly that we go through life quickly categorizing others into good and bad, wheat and darnel, or it will make us into nervous wrecks. Constantly evaluating and re-evaluating ourselves, desperately trying to answer that question, am I wheat or am I a weed? Parables, you'll remember, are not just nice moral stories. They're not convenient teaching illustrations, but rather they are the living and active word of a God who hides in order to be revealed. Parables don't simply teach so much as they obscure. And so long as the parable remains obscure to us, it is doing the deadly and holy work of the law, putting us sinners to death so that the new creation can be raised to new life. So let me deliver to you a truth that will open up this vexing little story to you. You are not the judge of the field. Let me say it again. You are not the judge. Whether you place yourself in the story as one of the slaves or one of the plants, the fact remains that it is not yours 
to judge the field. It is not for you to decide who is in and who is out, and it is certainly not up to you to decide whether you yourself are wheat or darnel. So set that effort aside and listen to the word of the God who in baptism has sown you into the world. You are my child, you are my beloved, and in you I delight. With this simple and effective word, God, your judge, has made you no longer a child of evil, but a child of the kingdom. Though you see both wheat and weeds when you examine yourself, God, in his mercy, has decided to make you only into fruitful wheat. So with this promise ringing in your ear, enter again into the parable and witness the depth of God's love for you. God has sown you in good soil, in a fertile field. And even when the devil tried to corrupt the field so that the harvest might be lost, God chose to delay the weeding in order to protect you from unnecessary harm. And finally, at the end of this age, this corruption will be removed and all sin and evil will be burned away and you will be always as you were meant to be, righteous in the kingdom of your Father, shining like the sun. Amen.